It's Divas That Care Radio. Stories, strategies, and ideas to inspire positive change. Welcome to Divas That Care, a network of women committed to making our world a better place for everyone. This is a global movement for women, by women, engaged in a collaborative effort to create a better world for future generations. To find out more about the movement, visit divasthatcare.com after the show. Right now, though, stay tuned for another jolt of inspiration. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Divas That Care. My name is Candace Gish. Um, if this is your very first tuning in, thank you so much. The Divas That Care has, our, is, we're actually in our 11th season now. We're listening to in over 30 countries around the world, and it's because of all of our amazing listeners that we're able to do this. So thank you so much. You can also check out all of our amazing hosts and our programs at divasthatcare.com. All right, everyone, I have a great show for you. I'm going to be introducing you to a brand new diva, Nolene Merappen. And this woman is extraordinary. I just, the last couple of minutes, I've been looking at her website, and I'm very intrigued to learn about her with all of you guys. So, Nolene, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much, Candice. It's an absolute privilege to be on and uh, looking forward to talking more. Me too. Well, Nolene, one of the things I always ask our brand new divas is if they could spend a couple of minutes introducing themselves to all of our, our tribe out there. Yeah, sure. Um, so I was born in South Africa. Um, I mentioned this because it, it, it's a very big part of who I am and my experience and, uh, and you know, the, the path that I took in life. Um, born in South Africa during apartheid. Uh, this is um, most people would know of it. Um, and during that time, I was basically legally a lesser person. And this had many effects in terms of the types of um, schools we could go to, where we could eat, you know, the parks we could go to, pretty much everything. Um, and it also meant that uh, we were. We were segregated in a way that my parents had less opportunities. They had to work when they were much younger. Neither of them uh, completed school, for example. And my upbringing was one that was, um, well, it was quite impoverished. So to give you an example, um, my, my older brother and I would find or try to find where the neighbor's chickens had laid their eggs so we could steal them for dinner sometimes. <laughs> So I, I I always have a disclaimer with people that I'm partnering with um, in business or or basically in in anything, uh, just to let them know that I I am a a converted thief, um, and you know it. But the great thing was that we never actually had we never felt like we were different or we were poor. It was just the I'm actually very happy. Um, but what I did realize as I grew older and um, apartheid ended as I was starting university and I managed to get a scholarship and work through you know, three jobs at uni. Um, but I realized just how much of a disparity there was. And I also realized that it wasn't all about money. 
um, a lot of it was about education, about infrastructure, about support mechanisms, and also about how people saw each other. Uh, and you know, there were numerous efforts, um, nonprofit efforts. There was so much being done, and it frustrated me that despite all of this that was being done, you know, the needle just wasn't moving. And, and that became more and more apparent as I got older, as I started to travel and work in different countries. And there's exactly the same disparities, you know, and no new problems, um, same old problems and solutions operating in silos. Uh, so that was my experience and, and really led me on a journey to... to to start making a difference. I mean, initially, uh, when I studied, I wanted to be a journalist and I wanted to share the stories of people with the world and, and make people more aware of what was happening in the world. And I realized that um, I actually didn't have the stomach for it. So there was just so much happening in Africa and Central Africa. And I decided then um, to switch to one of the, or two of the other things that I loved, which was people and business and studied organizational psychology, uh, started looking at, you know, interactions and, and development and really how business could be used as a mechanism for growth, not just um, for profit, but also for purpose. And that's, you know, something that's led me to where I am right now. And I feel like I've been talking a lot. Please <laughs> feel free to interrupt me at any point. Oh, my goodness, Nolene, I find it quite amazing, you know, with, you know, the, what you have gone through and what you're wanting to accomplish and what you are accomplishing today is quite inspiring in itself. And you are working on economic empowerment for people. And I want to kind of talk about that because mm -hmm. I love how it's not just working in a specific area. It's you're wanting to work on a global level. Absolutely. Yes. So one of the big um, things, and I know that I'll, I often, um, this is sometimes contentious, but one of the difficulties which I experienced when I first started working in the UK, I'm, I moved to the UK after working in numerous places like South Korea and Indonesia. Um, and I felt like my fit was working within the nonprofit sector because I wanted to have an impact in the world and I wanted to make a difference. And because of my business expertise, I felt like the fit would be working with nonprofits, but looking at developing projects and growing them so that they could become self-sustaining and um, you know they could start to amplify and scale and increase impact. And I I grew quite frustrated because I realized that the sector was one which didn't have that mindset um, it, and it was self-defeating rather than self-serving and self-sustaining oh, wow. and the the and and it's and it's purely because 
so many people within it, it is starting to change now, but there's so many within, people within the sector. And this is a great thing. Start with passion about wanting to make a difference and are completely hands on on the ground, really doing the tough stuff and, you know, really working hard to make things happen. But what happens is that there's a, you know, there's this constant need for, fundraising and donations to be able to sustain the activity and it became this vicious cycle of people then being diverted away from doing the good work because they had to focus on fundraising and more of the focus moved and shifted to fundraising and marketing spend and all of that than actually doing the good work and you know, so so this was one thing which which got to me, and I felt like what we needed to be doing was actually encouraging more of um, you know more of a focus on social enterprises where it was for profit, but with a very great focus of profits being injected into community initiatives for growth because that that is the only way that you scale and grow. Um, and, and the other thing that grew frustrating and that was that, you know, this has also started to change with more of a need for accountability and transparency, um, was how much or how many of the projects then went on to become projects for the sake of projects and for the impression of doing good. Um, I just want to interrupt you a lot of people. We don't realize that mm-hmm. and it's not yeah we'll talk about but i can see that now yeah and I'll, I'll give you an example which will make it quite concrete and you know every year um personally i will see in my uh, social media news feed someone who is fundraising or looking for sponsorships because they're going to help build a school in africa or in asia or somewhere you know something along those lines and the reality is that you hear it and you think okay that's a fantastic initiative and someone's going to build a school and you assume kids are going to be going to the school and it's a wonderful thing but the reality is that in different parts of the world sometimes just building a school does not you know create that ripple effect or actually have an impact so for example if the children live too far away from where the school is and have no way to get there, if they've got to travel for miles to go and get water in the morning before they go to school, they actually cannot get to school in time. If their families are so poor that the kids have to work, they're not going to go to the school. If there aren't teachers, if the standard of education or the quality of education, if there aren't any books. So, it's about actually looking at, you know, what, what are the real problems and is the solution that we're applying actually going to fix this problem? Well, because intentions, they have great intentions. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And, and it's, it's about looking at the real impact and what that has. Um, because as I said, no problems, you know, most problems are not new problems. They're being experienced in different parts of the world. 
And there are solutions. There are solutions that are either born out of necessity from communities within communities or through nonprofits or um, corporates because of their social responsibility focus or research and development with universities. And yet problems still persist. Uh, and the issue is this mismatch between you know, what the real solutions are and what has it isn't always just tokenistic it's often done with good intention but isn't actually having the impact that it's meant to have and so so much gets wasted and that impact isn't there and there isn't that ripple effect which goes on to serve generations to come um so a large part of what i hope to achieve outside of the projects that i work on is actually looking at collaboratives where we focus on what are solutions, real solutions, you know, not reinventing the wheel, actually utilizing those solutions in different parts of the world with often very little additional resource required, but with massive impact. And as an example, I'm um, the lead on an initiative called Global Women for Good. And one of the ladies is a professor in a university in Dubai. And she uses blockchain technology to help women in rural Pakistan to trade animals because they don't have access to banking. And this is a problem in many parts of the world for many people. And when I first heard about it, I was overthinking it I was thinking about the technology and you know but how will people understand you know I don't even fully understand everything that goes into blockchain even though I work in the area um, or I'm in a working group in the area and she said the women don't care all they care about is the fact that somebody that they know and trust has helped them set it up and that they can set it up on their phones and go to a local shop and get their money that's all they care about. And it's the sort of program which can so easily be replicated in other parts of the world just with a willing contact from one of the hundreds of nonprofits that are scattered, well, millions actually, that are scattered across the world. And this one person who's willing to actually support with the knowledge and the system that would be required to do that. So... It's just, you know, we need to start working in a more coordinated way, you know, working smarter, not harder, and collaborating and looking at partnerships as something which helps us to amplify and scale rather than, you know, competitions. And, and that's the other thing, you know, not profit and competition. Sorry, go, go ahead, Candice. That's one of, what, one of the questions I have for you is, are you finding that people are feeling threatened? Are they feeling that mm -hmm. people are competition and they're going to take away everything that I'm doing? Because I think as humans, a lot of people feel that way. It's like we can't collaborate because they're just going to take everything that I've built or worked so hard to do. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's very much the case. And, and it's not just, it's not just a, a personal impression of that happening. Um, society and funding mechanisms and the way that business has evolved and everything around it kind of has taught people that you need to fight really hard you need to get to the top you need to stay at the top 
um, if you're applying for funding, you're applying with a gazillion other people. You know, you're you're in competition with all of them. We only have X you know, amount of money in a small pot. We're only going to support X number of people. So it's this whole competitive environment. And it is if, you know, if we don't fight for it and get it, someone else will. And we want it because we want to make a difference and we want to do more. And this is one of the things which I'm actually advocating for in the impact space is looking at how impact funders and just generally funders and and mechanisms such as crowdfunding can actually reward people for working collaboratively and even if a project has been and has failed there is something to be gained from that you know there's a body of knowledge lessons learned where if you know, if somebody wants to pick up on that project, what is a way that they could now make it work based on the lessons that were learned from where it didn't? If someone wants to start a business around a specific impact area, um, how can they make it work where it didn't work before? And the only way that you incentivize people to share this knowledge, even around you know, things that didn't go to plan, but where there were so much valuable insights and lessons is if you start to look at collaborations where you value people for the input that they can have. And in return, your collaboration and your partnership is valued so that you increase the chances of gaining access to funding, of, you know, getting onto programs. And the mindset needs to shift to recognizing the value in those partnerships and how much more we can we can scale if we work in that way. I think you have your work cut out for you. I think that <laughs> absolutely I do. Absolutely <laughs> love what you're doing. This is exactly how I envision the world. But I think that yes, it's it's a whole bunch of different personalities trying to work that out. And mm-hmm. you have such it's hard to explain, but when you have such great people that have such great ideas, sometimes they don't want to share that. And you're right. It's teaching them and, and reevaluating and trying to figure out how they can work together. And I like how that those programs will really change people's minds. Mm. And, and it's not going to be that, you know, it, it is for everyone. Some people will just feel actually, no, I'm a solo act and this is just how I work. But eventually it will evolve because that is the nature of things. You know, if the only thing that is rewarded is, you know, added value, working in partnership, collaboration to scale, then that will become the model and that won't always work and that's totally fine and you only look at it in the instances where it will work and where it can work or else it becomes self-defeating we don't want to become you know we we don't want to uh, endorse something that happens just for the sake of it happening you know it needs to be fit for purpose and working um so you know what i'm really even though i'm working on so many as I said, different projects and initiatives ranging from um, you know, pollution and ending the plastic uh, pollution crisis and uh, aquaculture and business consulting. And the, the common 
theme and thread is is looking at how we actually work together and one of the things i'm working toward is in partnership um creating an impact ecosystem where you know if someone where we can start to collect that body of knowledge and it and it might you know it might take years and years to come to fruition or it, it might be something that picks up and and we we get down to it really quickly but where we have this collective body of knowledge around the initiatives that are happening out in the world so that if someone has a problem anywhere they can look to see what are some of the solutions being implemented in other parts of the world you know what were the resources that were needed what were some of the outcomes what were the lessons learned who's open to collaborate on this so that i can actually do it quicker and better and that this ecosystem becomes a point of reference for impact initiatives and funders um and and also crowdfunding for projects that are looking to scale and grow with that value base in mind of more together this is fantastic and you i see you as as the facilitator of this entire initiative you know really getting the key players in place and getting them to to talk and and you're kind of that middle ground person aren't you yeah absolutely i i try to be <laughs> I some sometimes i get pushed to the background but you know <laughs> do you have a a team of individuals that help you with this yes so i'm i'm very fortunate that i've got um and not only a you know i've got a small core team um but i've got on numerous projects a number of volunteers who support who are, are scattered across the world um who are absolutely amazing uh in greece uh, argentina brazil nigeria and um it's it's really really fantastic to see how many people have come together to support and you know who have this common purpose and vision uh and one of the things that we we work with with our volunteers um is to look at how they can start to develop projects which become funded and where they become funded essentially so developing projects which are either um with a slight business focus or sometimes it's completely non-profit but the aim is to develop and grow and for them to progress onto um paid activity uh, and it doesn't even matter if that's that paid activity is them picking up on a project which they developed with us and run with it completely on their own um or something that is sort of in-house and being developed and and growing um but yeah and, and uh, aside from that we also have a pool of um freelancers essentially or consultants who who work on different projects as and when required ranging from you know a technology to marketing uh, to strategy um and and different areas of work as well work in renewable energies so it's it's fantastic it's really amazing I love what I do. <laughs> it sounds like and you've got the passion in your voice. Um question for you, do you okay, so if our if we have a lot of our listeners, they they have nonprofits, you know, they're wanting to perhaps work with you because they're trying to help their organizations and they want to collaborate. 
How can they do that? Can they get a hold of you? Can you talk to them? What, yeah, absolutely. What steps can they oh, absolutely. So I am one of the things I'm doing, irrespective of whether you're a business or a nonprofit or an individual. Um, if you're looking to have a positive impact in some way, I'm very much driven on you know or focused on supporting you to have that impact but also helping you to look at how you can work in partnership strategize become self-sustaining develop grow and and often that's to through developing other parts of it um, absolutely happy to have a chat with anyone who might be interested you can find me on linkedin that's the the best way just drop me a line um, i'm always always happy to connect to have a chat to see if there's anything that i can support with or any of the team can support with and also to look at whether there's there are any opportunities for collaboration i love that I know that in the last 18 months, a lot of charities, a lot of nonprofits have really been struggling. And I think yeah. that with what you are doing and having, you know, kind of changing your mind frame, I think this could really help out so many, so many people out there. I agree. I think it's, you know, of course I would say that. <laughs> I agree with me. <laughs> um, I think it's just, you know, it's, it's about seeing the world in a different way and recognizing what will enable you to do more. So it's not necessarily shifting what your end goal is or your purpose is. It's just looking at what can help you to get there um, and what can help you to get there in a different way where you're able to do even more of what you want to do. And yeah, I think, you know, I... I personally think that it's something which can have such a, a significant impact and really, really move the needle on so much. Um, you know, and, and there is an appetite for it. One of the projects we launched called Safer Ways was looking at, you know, how we bring together comprehensive support for people who are in unsafe situations or affected by crime in some way because there's so much support, but it's, it's quite disparate. Um, and in an effort to bring it all together, we launched Safer Ways, which will be an app where people can instantly get in touch with exactly the support that they need through these, these nonprofits and agencies um, and report incidents and get resources. And within the space of a few months um, and only piloting in a few small counties here, uh, we got over 60 signups from from nonprofits who were interested in partnering um, and, and that number is growing. So, you know, so that there is an appetite for it. And I think there are always ways in which we, we can collaborate. It's just looking at ways where there is added value and mutual benefit. Oh, I love that. And I'm, I'm so happy that you came on our program today because, you know, I didn't know about that. I didn't know, you know, about what you did. I know so many nonprofit organizations that are doing so many fantastic, amazing, mm -hmm. inspiring things out there. And they're looking, they're, they're hungry for knowledge. They're hungry for that collaboration, but they don't know where to look. They don't know how to lock arms with others. Um, Nolene, do you offer, I don't know, do you have any workshops? Is there anything out there that people can listen to or is there YouTube videos that they can check out? Anything that, you know, can kind of help them through that beginning process? 
Yeah. So I don't actually have any. Um, I'm putting together um, a, a little training around sustainability. Um, but it's if you feel like it's something that your listeners could really benefit from, um, I'm absolutely open to doing that, to either running a workshop or, or doing some videos or webinars um, and, and, you know, talking through some of the steps of looking at partnerships um, and, and not just looking at partnerships in terms of partnering with other nonprofits, but also looking at strategic partnerships with corporates and, and not only in the terms of, you know, sponsorships, um, but looking at more strategic partnerships and how that can work and positioning and that sort of thing. So there, there's a lot that can be done and, and it really does just start with, you know, thinking through what is the strategy that could work for that particular nonprofit or enterprise. Oh my goodness. I love it. I have my wheels just a turning, Olene. So I would definitely <laughs> talk to you after our program today um, about some things that I think that our listeners would love to do. But you know what? I want to thank you so much for coming on our program today. I know that there, there's so much we can do. And I look forward to having you back on our program as an, a guest again in the future. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Candice. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I feel like I've talked your ear off. But, uh. <laughs> I, I'm absolutely inspired. One thing I want to ask you, is there any tips mm. or tools or anything you want to leave with our listeners, things that are perhaps coming, going to be happening with you in the future? Um, yes, yeah, so I, I will be uh, developing this this ecosystem. So I would say if anyone is interested, um, please do reach out uh, if, if you'd like support. Um, and the other thing is, you know, whenever people think about gap analysis, they, they always think about developing or starting a business. But at Right now, at this point in time, think about what it is that you actually need for your nonprofit, for your business, for your personal life, and do a gap analysis of where you are, what resources you are, and where you need to get to. And your starting point for filling the gaps should be everyone who is within your network and what they have to offer, uh, whether they're businesses, whether it's your kid's school, whether it's your kids, you know, whatever it is, start there. And then you look beyond for who you can partner with for skills exchanges or some added value exchange to start to fill in those gaps before you look at what you need to fund. Thank you so much. Love that tip. Oh, my goodness. Nolene, I've had such a great time with you. I can't wait to do this again in the future. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And I really look forward to it. Take care of you and thank you. And thank you all for listening. Oh my goodness. Everyone, you've got to go check out Nolene. I'm going to be posting actually her website also and her LinkedIn information on all of our social media so that you can check out what she does, but also go and connect with her. Um, if for any of you, as I said, that have just tuned in, make sure that you go to divasthatcare.com. You can check out all of our amazing podcasts that we've recorded and all of the hosts that are on there. I hope that you do something kind. And until next time, everyone. Thanks for listening. This show was brought to you by Divas That Care. Connect with us on Facebook, on Instagram, and of course, on divasthatcare.com, where you can subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss a thing.